Welcome to 2D Pokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. We're going dancing, Robbie. How you feeling? I am super pumped. Uh, probably the most excited I've been just for college basketball and uh, for Hokies basketball, obviously, uh, than I have been in a long time. And I was tweeting about it today. I am I'm juiced up. Yeah, man. Give us a cheers and get us going here. I I know it's going to be boring because I've spent a lot of time talking about Buzz and the basketball team on most of the cheers for a while, but we are in the offseason for football, and I'm going to stay true to it. And I guess my cheers would be we got a number four seed, and it's our highest, uh, I believe, rank uh, of all time, and it is... It's just awesome. It's it's really exciting. It's a great time of year. We're always excited for March Madness, but it just seems like with everything that's going on in the program right now, um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how else to, to put it, but I'm just really excited about what this team's been able to accomplish this year and um, what we have ahead of us. Cheers to the four seed. It's been a little while since we have talked to you guys out there, and we apologize for that. If you hear my voice, uh, I'm still just getting over the tail end of a cold. And so the last couple of weeks, it was a little bit more difficult to record because of that, and also because we were kind of enjoying the team winning and us staying off the air. And then it felt like the longer we didn't record, the better they were doing. So <laughs> we just, we call, we talked to each other last week. We're like, let's just wait until we're in the tournament and then we'll do a preview. <laughs> yeah. I, I said, um, well, we can wait for it, but I, I didn't, and I don't care about the ACC tournament that much. I, I think, uh, the team has, uh, grander expectations for themselves. And I think buzz does as well. So I, I was ready to kind of just hold off and see what happens, uh, with our, with our seating and what happens with March madness. So a couple big news and notes before we get going, recapping the end of the season and previewing the tournament. Number one, Justin Robinson is back for the, for the big dance. And that that's super exciting. The announcement was very public done on Twitter by him and buzz and it seemed a little calculated to me, the way they made it so public and released like the picture of him and saying he's back on Selection Sunday. Uh, that might have bumped us up to that four seed. It could have. I, I, it's weird because, um, and, and, and to, as an aside, so the, you had the Michigan-Michigan State game, right, which was a big Big Ten game, and a lot of Michigan State fans are all pissed off about their seeding as the two seed and the location that they are. And, uh, I, you know, I listen to a lot of sports talk radio. You and I were just talking about it because my commute is a lot longer now. So I listen to a ton of sports talk radio back and forth from from work every single day now. And there's a bunch of people, Michigan State fans calling in saying that they feel like they got slighted. And the a lot of commentary is that it's because the committee already had it slotted before even that game ended and they had to start justifying what they were going to respond to. Same thing with college football. You know, the playoff committee has to respond to what it is. So I thought it was a little late for us to announce the J Rob, but guess what? Obviously the committee um, knew about it in my opinion beforehand. Otherwise there's no way they would give us the four seed. It's possible that there was already uh word that he would be ready. Buzz had talked about that the previous week, saying, you know, we think we'll be back um, after the ACC tournament. So 
whether or not it was calculated in such a way as to convince the committee and whether the committee knew about it in time to put it into effect, uh, I think we were worthy. With or without him, we had done enough throughout the season to be worthy of a four seed, and we were the very last one, the, the 16th overall position in the ranking. But it doesn't matter. We got the four highest seed ever, as you said, and it's it's great news. And getting J-Rob back into that, we're going to talk about that impact. Um, but he hasn't played since January 30th, so there could be some rust there. We'll talk about that a little bit later. The other big news and note was, of course, Texas A&M and the report that they are going hard after Buzz to be their coach and offering numbers such as five to six to six and a half million dollars to make him their coach. Uh, we know Texas A&M is a very rich school in terms of revenue. Them in Texas are two of the most, they might be the two most richest schools in, in uh, NCAA, and they can afford to do that. We can't afford to pay Buzz that kind of money. It's something that we're going to largely ignore in this episode, but we'd be we we wouldn't be doing due diligence if we didn't mention the fact this is a huge story. Yeah, it, it's rough. Uh, you and I talked about it earlier today. I I want to be positive in this podcast because I'm I'm utterly you know ecstatic about what this basketball team can do, but it it, it deserves a note because. Texas A&M's the second from a revenue perspective and revenue versus profit is always uh, two different things. But from a revenue perspective, they are the second richest school uh, behind Texas, as you noted, in the nation at like $225 million, I think is last reported in revenue that they bring in. Virginia Tech, for anybody out there that hasn't seen it, we bring in at about 85. Um, so yes, the the fact is, is that There's a discrepancy. It, yeah. If, <laughs> If, if it comes down to just money, which I, I don't think that's the case, so I want to make that 100% clear, then Texas A&M can pretty much offer something to Buzz that I don't, I don't believe that we could. This is the same Texas A&M school that gave uh, you know, a, a coach $75 million guaranteed over 10 years in Jimbo Fisher. Right? That's what this is yep. uh, they're able to do. That said, and to pull all of that back, um, I posted on the key play, I posted on Twitter. It's an article that I read that really resounded with me six years, five years ago that um, that always stuck with me over time with Buzz Williams. And a lot of people hadn't like dug back through and, and seen had seen that article, which is the CBS article about how weird and awesome Buzz Williams is and how calculating and methodical he is in his decision making and how, you know, part of what he was looking at was, you know, how good, you know, how good can you be without a good football program? How good can you be over an eight year time frame? What's it look like to to get fired from a program? The way that he goes through and thinks about things. I will say one more piece on that. And if you haven't read the article, I suggest you go back and read it because it gives you a, a big, um, a, a new aperture on the way that Buzz Williams thinks about things is that he's become a lot more emotional whereas he was a lot more methodical and calculating, I think, when he came out of Marquette. So this team, in a lot of ways, I think, has changed him in his decision-making. And that's a long way of saying, who knows what the heck Buzz yeah. is going to do. It's it's hard to say. And I, I, obviously, the money would... It, it's a godfather offer. If it is around $6 million, that would be like the third highest paid coach in the NCAA behind Coach Cal and Coach K. So that's pretty 
that'd be higher than Izzo. You know, this is real big money for a college basketball coach. Uh, he probably can't say no to it. However, this rumor has been around for over a year, maybe multiple years. Yeah. That last last off season, there was this rumor Buzz is going to leave for Texas A and M after this after the following year. So this is not something that we're necessarily new to. And I think that potentially Buzz knew that he was leaving after this year when last year ended. And you saw assistants kind of scrambling, leaving, going other places. Um, And now when you see every one of these videos that Buzz puts out after games, he's so emotional and he seems to like really connect and really, really love the kids on this team. We don't know how that's affecting this decision. Because what you see on those videos and when he gets really emotional, uh, if you're not following his Twitter feed, you really should because you get so much access. And the other coaches tweet them out too, and they get retweeted into your timeline. But I'm sure you've seen them. I think that his mindset could have changed drastically in the last 12 months. And the way this team has performed and what they're accomplishing at Tech and all that they've accomplished, which we're going to get into in a minute – uh, it, it could change his mentality. He might not be in it only for money. And so, yes, he's from Texas. It's it's going to be a lot of money. It's almost too obvious that he would leave. So, so it's so obvious that it's probably going to happen, but it's, it, it's not a sure thing. We yeah. don't know exactly what's going to happen with Buzz. And we've heard it. People have been tweeting it. Just enjoy the tournament. Let's just enjoy the tournament because he. This could be his last stand for Tech. Um, and the farther we go, the harder it would be for him to leave. I would imagine. Like if this is something I said to you and uh, Joe is if he takes a team to a Final Four, highly unlikely. But if he does, uh, how could you leave? Like how could how could you leave a team that you just took to the final four? So, uh, I'm, uh, this is just this is stuff uh, you know. Two guys drinking beer will spitball about, but it, it's going to be hard to keep him. But I just want to enjoy the tournament and hopefully Tech can go as far as they can. Yeah, I've heard nothing on the inside whatsoever, like from any contacts that I have about what's going to happen with Buzz. And I know there's a lot of angst amongst the fan base. I don't think anybody knows anything. I, I, and I honestly believe that. And I don't think you can say whatever you want about Buzz and what's going to end up happening. I don't think the media knows at all. I don't think, and I don't think Buzz is right now, if I'm him and I'm in the position of strength in terms of being recruited, I don't think he's paying any attention to it right now. And if Texas A&M reached out, I think he would probably just put up his hand and be like, you don't need a coach right now. Let me get through the tournament and then we'll talk. And if he can't do that, then he can't, you know, if he doesn't have that much self-control to push these rumors off, I, I think that most of the media is, um, quite frankly, full of shit right now if they're saying that they know what's going to end up happening because there is no way with the emotion that he's poured into this team that he would let these rumors, you know, infect the locker room. I think he would just push Texas A&M and be like, hey, come talk to me in two and a half weeks or three weeks or whatever the case may be. Um, that just seems like an, an easy request from yeah, a coach. I, I don't think, I think you're right. I don't think there's any like serious negotiations. Have an, has an offer been pushed across the table? Probably. Uh, but I, I don't, right, like you said, he's, they're very busy right now trying yes. to get ready for this tournament. So and that's, I would that's highly the doubt the negotiation. That we got. <laughs> Buzz, another thing that he did, uh, does all his own contract too. Yeah. 
So <laughs> there's no way he has time to go through a brand new contract right now with us going to the tournament. So that'll all be pushed till afterwards. And hey, if it happens, I'm sure I'd like to think that Wit would secure a new coach that would be very good as well. But let's cross that bridge when we get there. Yep. Um, all right. So let's talk about the team real quick. Uh, what they what they did this year: twenty four and eight, twelve and six in the ACC, and a fifth overall finish in conference. Since our last pod, they beat Georgia Tech in that must win, which almost seems silly now when we were worried about winning that game. But they beat Georgia Tech, they beat Pitt, they beat Notre Dame, uh, they beat Duke, and they beat Miami to finish the year. The only losses in that last stretch since we last recorded were the UVA game, which was winnable, and we lost at FSU, another game that was such a narrow loss. It went to overtime. Um and then we also lost to Florida State again in the tournament, which was a mirror image of the previous Florida State game because we had been up a lot in the first game, then got down, then tied it with a three to go over overtime. The exact opposite happened. We were down the entire game, then we're up, then they hit a three to send it to overtime. And both, unfortunately, it wasn't a mirror image exactly because we lost both. <laughs> yeah, both times we lost. The FSU was not... Well, FSU was a problem for a lot of people. I think they ended up winning, you can correct me, eight out of nine or seven out of eight of their last games. They yeah. were phenomenal down the stretch. They, they, they're they a tough team. And when we play them, doesn't it feel like we're playing ourselves? Oh, yeah. Like I, someone tweeted out the um, like the Spider-Man, like pointing at Spider-Man gif of like when we play Florida State. And it's so true. Like it's two like very tough-minded teams. Like you know what you're going to get. The only difference is they have a lot more size than we do. They're huge. They're gigantic. And that's the, it's, it's like playing ourselves, <laughs> except the, we're the midget version of it is, uh, you know, the small person version, I guess I should say, to be uh, more PC. But they are, they're gigantic. And it, they are a team that can match up very well with some schools um, that like just in my own mind i'd like to i'd love to see i i hate that we lost the florida state let me just put that out there but like them versus yeah, a duke versus like a duke and they the ability for them to be able to kind of contain zion or something like that they're they're an exciting team and if you can't appreciate that then you can't appreciate it. i don't think basketball it sucks for us and because they have basically four gigantic players and a very, very good small uh, player, and they that uh, he made us pay in on on one of the most incredible shots that yeah that the end of the game the the two shots the the three was just a really quick trigger three which was a nice shot but the final shot that beat us um, was just ridiculous I mean it, it was a lucky shot yeah for all intents and purposes but uh, Blackshear had his chance to to seal that game up if he makes the free throw with i think it was less than 20 seconds left it might have been 10 um we would have been up four points and like it probably would have been out of reach for florida state to win and and he didn't knock it down which was a shame but ultimately we we talked about this too you don't want to lose any games but talking about a team in virginia tech that's a little shorthanded in that tournament and then the next day we'd have to play uva which i would have loved to get an opportunity to play uva but we were we were out of gas at the end of that that overtime. It, UVA game might have not gone very well, and then you're 
more beaten up going into the the actual tournament that you want to really really do well in. So we'd never welcome a loss, but there we're looking for silver linings here in that loss to Florida State in the ACC champion or ACC tournament. I I don't think I, for me it's not looking for silver linings. I said it to you guys before the tournament started. I said I I I honestly in my heart of hearts don't give a shit about the ACC tournament. Like it's it's it doesn't mean that much. Like when you get to March Madness, that's what and I, I joked around when I go to bars and stuff, I said, who won the ACC you know, tournament two years ago? Nobody can name who it is. Everybody knows. When I think Bill- it was Notre Dame, right? Yeah. <laughs> everybody- they won one. Yeah. Florida yeah. State won one. I, yeah, you're right. It, it's, it is hard to remember them. Yeah, but everybody knows when Villanova won. Everybody knows how things have played out. Everybody is, is looking forward to, to March Madness. So it's not like a disrespect. It, it's just the team looked tired and I, I i figured they would because we're running thin we are if florida state runs almost how deep are they 11 that they can yeah, play they're, really, like, they're it, a really deep team and yeah. it, it just it didn't and then we would have to come back if we did play uva if we somehow pulled out that win you know the virginia tech team and this team is going to play their hearts out meaning that they're going to wear themselves out even more so I know this isn't looking for silver linings and I don't feel that way because I told you and I told Joe before the tournament even started, I said, I do not care about the ACC tournament. Like I care about this team getting healthy. I care about J-Rob coming back. I care about this team getting cohesive and getting ready. Yes, part of that is getting and playing in tournament and getting ready for that kind of action. But honestly, I wanted us to win that game so bad. I was curled over in a car after a meeting watching. Yeah, (laughs) but I afterwards like uh, you know it was one of those moments where you're like yeah I just want to win but I really I think it was honestly for the best and I know that sounds weird and sounds like looking for the silver lining but it wasn't really for me I, I think most tech fans would uh would say like if it improves our chances at all of winning the first round next weekend that they would have taken the loss mm-hmm. because it, you're beating Florida State and then UVA and then Duke that was like a two percent chance of that ever of of that happening, and actually it was zero because it didn't happen. So that's right. So uh, I think I'll take the rest, and I'm ready to get going here for the tournament. Uh, some things that we accomplished this year: twelve wins in the ACC, which I mentioned, but first time ever we did that. Back to back to back tournaments, first time we ever have gone to three straight NCAA tournaments, our highest seed ever, which you said, and. Would you consider that with all the adversity we had? It's just unbelievable with no Landers Nolly, no Chris Clark, Justin Robinson missing a huge chunk of the season. And it, it, I just, I don't know how they did it. With And PJ Horn missed times and the team was super thin for a few weeks there. It's, it's unbelievable to get 12 ACC wins. You can say the back half of the ACC wasn't very good, and it wasn't. We only got seven teams in the tournament. The top half was very, very good. So I, I don't care how you get there. 12 wins in this conference uh, deserves a ton of credit. And the fact that we made history and all the guys had the shirts that said history after the uh, seed revealing and they did a picture, that was just so cool because they really accomplished something that no one ever has. It, it's it's awesome. They deserve – yeah. And in advance of whatever happens in this tournament, they deserve so many accolades and just so much respect for the resolve that they showed and just their ability to find a way to win games when they really, 
I, I like you said, not having Nolly, not not having Clark. You go into the season. Remember, we were like, uh, we thought or, that that or was Kadeem C, which we thought we'd have at one point way back when. Yeah, I mean, you you look at this, and the team still managed to just find a way to win games, and then you lose J. Rob, and Buzz literally had to reinvent the offense and the structure and the players. It's not just buzz. The players had to learn how to execute in that new structure and make it work in the way that they were going to, you know, both be on offense. Obviously, you bring BD in. He's got he's got the defense it improves a little bit, but it's just incredible what they did. And, um, you know, it's it, it, it got a lot of press and a lot of kind of notoriety for a bit. And then it just kind of fell off, which I actually like. I, I love going to the tournament. Nobody's talking about us. We're not a Cinderella. We're not a darling. We're just kind of in between. It's perfect. J-Rob coming back definitely uh, did a little bit of a boost in terms of just people being like, oh, he's back. Oh, Virginia Tech, they're they're kind of a dangerous team. Like I, Lenardi was saying that uh, One Shining Podcast is it's one of my favorite podcasts, college basketball podcast on the ringer. Um, they were talking about it. it was like one they led their uh their show almost last time talking about Robinson being back and how his effect on on potentially playing Duke could be a factor um so it's cool that like getting he he's the only thing we have on the team that's close to a star Blackshears you know getting a bigger name and Nikhil Alexander Walker's a bigger name because he's a, a draft a potential draftee but um but yeah J-Rob is the star and the fact that he's back I think will raise our profile a bit. But like you like you've said with regard to football, it's kind of nice being under the radar a little bit and just like letting us find our way cuz it wasn't pretty against uh NC State, which although we did win, it wasn't pretty. Clemson, not pretty. There was a bunch of games in there where it didn't always go so well, but they they found a rhythm and then they closed the season like gangbusters. And you're like the way they reinvented themselves was amazing. We finished 11th in Ken Palm. 11th in the net rankings, which the committee uses to place the teams, or at least one factor, and uh, just barely got that four seed. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about just the players down the stretch. I, obviously, we were just kind of alluded to it. Blackshear's emergence as like essentially the point man for the offense was something that changed the game uh, in those last final like nine, 10 games that we were without J-Rob. And Nikhil, I would say, picked it up a little bit at the end. And I was impressed because after our last podcast, we were kind of down on Ahmed Hill. He had missed like so many threes. He was making like 17% of his threes or something over a long stretch. He played really well, uh, especially on senior night. He was five of five from three, uh, just had a perfect senior night for him and was great in both S- uh, FSU games, I thought, too. Played really well. Yeah, and you know, I thought it was really interesting when they did the Buzz Williams interview, and they said he was talking about Hill, and uh, he was talking about his, you know, his maturity and his, you know, his leadership on the team, and um, it, it was a cool aside because he said, you know, he he Buzz basically was saying and telling the story about how he went to Hill and said, you know, what you're shooting, you know, right now on the season, it's like twenty five percent or something like that, and. He goes, but I would give the ball to you 
any time that we actually need to make a shot. That's how much trust I have in you. He goes, I don't care about the statistics and all of those things. Like it was just a, like a really cool story that Buzz was telling, like how much trust he has in Hill and the maturity that Hill has and the way that he carries himself and the way that he fights for the program. Um, and the fact that he, sh- he was shooting so badly, but Buzz still just has so much faith in him when the, when the time comes to it. Yeah. He said like, I'm never subbing you out. Like, I, and, and I think, um, he did. There was a little bit of a reduction in minutes at mm-hmm. one point, um, but not much. And right. so he he was still plugging away. And in that first FSU game, Ahmed Hill hit that three to send us to overtime. It was a really big shot. Yep. Let's do a beer break before we talk about the region and a little bit more who's in our bracket and that kind of thing. Yeah. Robbie, what are you drinking? So I'm drinking... Uh, it's one of my favorite breweries of all time, um, and they haven't put out anything new or very good in a long time. It's the Mine Haze IPA from Firestone Walker, and uh, Firestone Walker is um, a West Coast uh, a brewery. They do the Double Jack, the Wookie Jack, the Union Jack. You know, that's kind of their claim to fame. The Double Jack is one of my favorite double IPAs um, that anybody's ever put out. And this is kind of a hazy, obviously, from the name IPA. Uh, comes out can release. It's available in most grocery stores now, and it's absolutely delicious. It is a perfect, balanced, not over the top hazy IPA that um, I can't get enough of. And uh, my my boys at uh, at Whole Foods Market, uh, we we're all hooked down uh, up on it. And Ian at uh, Whole Foods, uh, one of the bartenders there, that uh, at the little kind of bartender areas of Virginia Tech Hokey. So I just found that out the other day. So a big shout out to him as well. You're a big Firestone fan, right? Yes, I I, I love Firestone. It, 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 but they've been like in this big lull where like they didn't really put out anything new, yeah. anything great. They just were kind of resting on uh, on their laurels for for a while, and then they put this out, and it's excellent. It's not too expensive. It's relatively you know cheap. It's called the Mine Haze IPA. It's delicious. I got one over here I think you'll like too, and Haze is also in the name. It's called Through the Haze IPA, and it's by Bear Republic out of California. I remember having the Racer 5 with you on one of the first podcasts we ever did. might have been the first one. <laughs> and I Bear Republic is not a company that I've bought a lot of different ones of their beers. I know they've got a few, but I saw this one, and it, it looked perfect for me, 6.4%. And... I like a good hazy IPA that's not too, too strong. And so this pours in the glass. It's bright and it's it's got that like little bit of grapefruit. It says uh, passion fruit as well in the flavor uh, and also describes itself as very crushable. And so that, that sounded perfect for me. So I, I went for it and I really like it. Through the Haze IPA by Bear Republic. If you see it, it's a great springtime single IPA. Let's talk about the seed. We're the four in the east, and the other top seeds in our region are Duke, Michigan State, LSU, Mississippi State, Maryland, and Louisville, Louisville being the seven seed. Uh, our first round matchup will be against St. Louis, and we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but our path, as opposed to the past two years, seems a lot, lot easier to get to the Sweet 16 than it has been. Yeah, so uh, we don't have to. Well, Alabama didn't even make it, thank God. So, uh, so we're we're good on that front. 
Um, I, I think uh, I, when I saw it come out, you, me, and Joe were texting back and forth, talking about the seating. I was sitting next to a UVA fan, uh, one of my buddies, and we're all just like spitballing ideas and thoughts. And um, when I looked at the seating, other than Duke, obviously Michigan State is a really, really tough team. So like, but that's grandiose expectations, right? That's down the road. Uh, I loved it. I, and when I saw it come out, I thought it was perfect for us. Obviously we got the East, which is awesome. The, if the team performs, guess where we're coming back to. It's going to be in the DC area. It, 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 it seemed at my first glance, um, to be good. I'll go into depth on a little bit more about some of the teams, but what were your initial thoughts, uh, when you saw it? Well, I wanted, I wanted the East region because the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight games would be, you know, at the Capital One Center, which is always going to be like the Verizon Center in my head or yeah. MCI Center it's if you Verizon really want to go back. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so that's amazing because there's potential for a little bit of a VT home court advantage, though. If you get there, you're playing Duke and Duke will bring fans. So it's uh, it's cool to be there just because if they could get games in D.C., that's awesome. Uh, the fact that we have to go across the country for our first round game isn't ideal, but we get the Friday slots, which are to me beneficial just from a watching standpoint. You get to enjoy a lot of basketball potentially before your team loses. <laughs> you, you don't want a loss, but if you're going to lose, you don't want to do it at noon on Thursday. Well, because all, then the rest you, of your... you have to watch all the basketball because we're the last game. <laughs> <laughs> right. We are the last game on Friday, 10 p.m. Uh, in San Jose, 10 p.m. Eastern. So, yeah, I, I would have liked the game to be on the East Coast, but then you look at, like, Florida State, who was another four seed, or uh, were they a three? No, they're, they're four. Playing, they're four seed. They, 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 yeah, so they're going to Vermont. They're going to Connecticut, and they're playing Vermont. Like, that, that sucks. That's a bad they, game, and Vermont's good. <laughs> that's not good at all. Because they're going to have a lot of their, their fans there. So, yeah, we're in San Jose, but... St. Louis ain't bringing any fans to San Jose either. So yeah. it, it's uh, it's more of just like a neutral site matchup and uh, a winnable matchup. And then if you are able to win the first round game, you get a shot at potentially Mississippi State or Liberty. And that path is a lot better than having to play Bama and then Villanova or Wisconsin and then Villanova as it was the first year. So I just from the perspective of getting to the Sweet 16, it's better. And it should be better because we're a four rather than an eight or a nine. So... Uh, I, I like it for, for all those reasons, being on Friday, being in the East, getting a chance to play Duke in a huge Nationals game where everyone would be interested and the stadium will be absolutely filled, uh, maybe half with Hokies. That would just be incredible. Yeah. So if I had to run through, just going kind of top to, just on our bracket, and then maybe we can talk about some of the others and then refocus back on St. Louis. So um and I like VCU, UCF, not really. Mississippi State is a team that people have been talking about as being, you know, pretty decent. Um, so that's a little bit worrisome. Liberty, not so much for me, but Mississippi State, they, a lot of people have been saying that they have, you know, good size, a, a good team. So that's a little bit worrisome, not very much. I still think our road with, you know, St. Louis and then either Liberty or Mississippi State is awesome to try and get us into. Um, whoever comes out of the the, the top bracket, it's going to be Duke. I mean, there's no way that you know VCU or UCF can can knock them off, even if they make it. Taco you... Fall versus uh, <laughs> Zion Williamson. Yeah, it's going to be the the big matchup. <laughs> exactly. Taco Fall is like a seven foot four uh, giant guy for UCF. If you're not aware. Yeah. 
and Zion Wilson, <laughs> Zion can probably bench him, like uh, that's yeah. like, <laughs> which is even more disturbing. Now, when you get to the other, you know, the bottom portion of the bracket, LSU scares me. Um, other than their coaching issues that they have going on right now, which is a distraction. Thanks. Yeah. Guess what? Virginia Tech has them as well. Uh, ours are not. Ours are about a coach moving, not a, a, a scandal. Uh, and then Michigan State. Michigan State's an amazing team. They felt like they got slighted in where they got slotted in the bracket. And um, they're obviously very pissed off and they're going to probably take it out on the court. So. Um, we'll see. And then if you had somebody like Maryland, there are six. I don't think that's a very talented team, but Maryland could be coming back onto home court as well. Um, if they make it to, to the 16. So, um, they'll have just as many fans there, probably not as many as when they were back in the big time, but they'll have as many fans there as, as somebody like we would, um, given, given their proximity to where it's being played. Yeah. The ticket prices could be absolutely outrageous if, Duke, Virginia Tech, and Maryland all make the regional final. Now Maryland is a six, and I'm I'm looking at the bracket now. They'd have to beat, they'd have to take out LSU, yep. uh, at the very least to get there, and that that's doable considering the fact that they don't, <laughs> their coach isn't coaching them, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, it's a good slot for Maryland too. Could you imagine? Yeah, like they're already the tickets are already ridiculous no they're and 475 dollars when i was looking at them today so that's a those, tech fan <laughs> you're hoping that maryland doesn't get there because <laughs> it's just going to increase the the ticket prices um but you I, and i guess you don't want duke to get there either because it would it would make our road easier but the uh the idea of that matchup just sounds so thrilling to have our team at full strength and their team at full strength and to play in the sweet 16 would be amazing now we do need to get there so what is this st louis team all about uh they're 104th in kempom they're 103rd in the net so virtually the same in those two rankings they won their conference tournament and they were picked to win the conference preseason However, they only finished, I think, sixth in, in the actual season. They were 10 and 8 in the A10 and 23 and 12 overall. They are far from um, like a, a walkover, but they had what was a pretty disappointing season until the end run that they made to win it, win the conference tournament. Yeah, it was four, I think it was four wins in a row, right, to get through their conference tournament that they had to do. And then it ended with, uh, um, who was it, St. Bonaventure, yeah, Bonaventure, and they were uh, they were excellent um, in that game, and uh, I don't know how they ended up pulling that out because it was I, I just don't know how they got through that whole that slate in the tournament with having finished sixth. I mean, you actually have to do work to be able to do something like that. That would be like in the ACC. All of a sudden, I don't know who finished whoever finished sixth. In, uh, I mean, winning four games in four days is is not easy. Yeah. Uh, and that conference, we like, we'll give you reference, like VCU's in that conference. Yeah. Davidson's in that conference. I think those are the top two teams. Obviously St. Bonaventure, we just mentioned St. Joe's, I think is in there too. Yeah. It, it's, it's an okay basketball. Game. It's the a 10 used to be like the next best one outside the power conferences, mm-hmm. but with all the shuffling that's gone on, it's gotten pillaged and teams have gone to the American and whatever else. And it's not the strength that it used to be. Um, 
that being said, St. Louis, Travis Ford, he coaches a tough team. Like they play defense really well. I think they're 46th in adjusted defense, according to Ken Palm, whereas we're 25th. So that gives you an idea. They're pretty close to us and how they play defense. However, on the offensive side of the ball, they are challenged. They're 205th in adjusted offense, and we are 11th. Yeah. So we have a slight advantage on the offensive side of things. I mean, uh, this was the most astounding thing I saw. 352nd in free throws percentage oh. in the country. There's only 353 teams <laughs> in D1. They're second to last in free throw percentage. Their three-point percentage isn't much better. They're at 328. So they don't shoot the ball well from deep, which means that one of their guys is going to shoot like five of five, which is a given against us because that that's what happened last year with Alabama. And I think Perry just went off. Probably um, happened with St. Louis when we played them last year during the regular yeah. season. <laughs> and, and that might be the other best thing we have going for us is that we did lose to them last season, which Buzz can remind the guys of that. That was a very embarrassing loss for us at the time. They weren't, they were not that great this year. They were worse last year. And so I think that's actually something that works in our favor. Cause as you know, we're a veteran team. A lot of these guys played in that game and, you know, or pretty much all of them played in that game and are probably, you know, would like to get a little revenge on them for it. And buzz will, I'm sure put that in their minds this week. Uh, the other things they do well, they, they're they not a big team. They're not a deep team. They're, they're kind of similar to us in that way. But they're 16th in total rebounds uh, in the NCAA somehow. They only have one guy currently that's 6'8", that plays. 6'8", or above, and he's exactly 6'8". Uh, their leading rebounder is 6'7", and their second rebounder is 6'3". So they're just... a tough team that just gets after like they they'll beat you to loose balls like that's that's what they do and they rebound the basketball really well and that's something that um obviously could be an advantage for them but we we've never that hasn't been our thing to win the rebounding battle (laughs) well it's been our thing more recently i mean it it wasn't our thing for the first half of the season that's for for sure but they yeah um virginia tech's really um shown a lot more propensity to to be part of that i think what what's also just interesting is just it they're kind of a hustle team and um so it's it's gonna be you know you always joke around about the spider-man you know you know pointing at each other you love you and i love that like meme like this is very similar like they don't they don't dominate in any kind of way other than what's you know their hustle and their their, their strive to win which is that's the only way you can get through uh, a tournament and win that out four days in a row. I mean, that's, you got to have to have a lot of muscle and just be able to, you know, wake up and, and, and do what you need to do. So it's, it's an exciting team. I think we have a lot on our side going into this game in terms of having lost to them last year. I think that is a benefit to us. They may try and use it as, Oh yeah, we've already beat this team. This is not the same team. We're not afraid of them. Yeah. That This is not the same team that you saw uh, last year. Um, whatsoever um that that could benefit them a a, a little bit i don't think um much else really goes in their favor i think we're a nine and a half point favorite going into the game Uh, that's what i saw earlier today yeah nine and a half which is a nice number because if it was seven six five then i'd be like ooh, that 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 seems a little scary that what what are the what does vegas know here but uh for comparison I said they were 104th in Kempom. Georgia Tech was 109th. And Georgia Tech, again, was a team that played really good defense 
but not much good offense. And so this is probably similar in quality to what we were seeing at a Georgia Tech, and we beat them twice. They're also behind teams like Notre Dame and Pitt and the Ken Palm, teams we both beat a number of times. Uh, and at Florida State, they beat them by 22. And Florida yeah. State's a team that we went uh, to overtime twice. So we're pretty even with Florida State. And Florida State beat them by 22. So that also makes me feel a little bit better. And Florida State is a four seed, and we're also a four seed. So uh, right. they're higher ranked four seed than us, obviously. But And then I, I will put one other thing out there. And I, I texted this to you earlier, which I think is actually really important. And it with J-Rob coming back, everybody, the concern is, like it should be, and it's totally understandable, was whether he's rusty. The good news is, is that who we're replacing with BD on the floor, if J-Rob has to sit out minutes because he is rusty or something like that, is one of our best defenders on the court and against an offense that is not very good. And so I, I foresee that as an, like an advantage for us. Like if we have to put well, J-Rob on the, on the bench, we're going to generate turnovers. We're going to generate pressure. We're going to slow the game down. You know what I mean? It, it, it helps him get his kind of feet underneath him, in my in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, we don't know how many minutes he'll be able to play. Could be 20, 25, 30. Uh, but the times when he's off the floor, when we used to look a little lost, like that's not going to be existent anymore. And you just add him, like getting that extra body who's not just like P.J. Horn coming in on the back end of your depth. It's like pushing all the depth down, getting J-Rob back. So it's it's just increases the quality of our team so much, and especially since the way they've grown without J- uh, Robinson out there. So when he's on the bench, Blackshear can run it. BD can run the offense. Nikhil at times can, you know, he's he can get a lot of assists. So it's it just is going to be not playing with him sucked. But now that we get him back after all that experience and all those guys collectively taking his minutes, uh, even Outlaw taking more of his minutes and Wilkins taking more of his minutes, Kabongo getting a few here and there. You know, if we needed guys to come in and spell other guys, we're now deeper. And so it's it's pretty awesome because it's not just getting J-Rob back. It's that when we lost him, the other guy's skills improved. Yeah. Improved quite a bit, some of them. And especially like Wilkins. I mean, the, the the things that Buzz has to say about him and how much he's grown up and how young he is is um it's pretty uh, you know astounding to to see that development. So I'm I'm juiced. If we were to beat St. Louis, we would play I, I'm just gonna go out on a limb here and say we'd play Mississippi State. Right. I, I could be wrong, and we're not going to go too deep into what that matchup could look like. You touched on it, but they're a much bigger team. Yep. They have three guys at 6'10 plus that get a lot of minutes. Um, but oddly, they're only 149th in rebounds. So it's weird. We've got this tall team that doesn't rebound the ball that well, but St. Louis, a short team, rebounds the ball exceptionally well. It, it's just funny how much rebounding is can be so much about effort and buzz says that all the time it it really is like about effort and knowing your angles and just timing and all that kind of stuff but mississippi state was 21st in kempom so 10 just 10 spots behind us 19th in the net they were also 10 and 8 in their conference finished 6th in the sec 14th on o 51st on d so again they they mirror us in that way is that they're a strong offensive team and just a little bit worse uh defensively they beat all the teams on their schedule that they should have beaten for the most part. 
and they lost to all the teams that they should have lost to. Like they didn't beat Kentucky. They didn't beat Tennessee. Uh, they're, they're just like exactly who you think they were. And that's is kind of how we were too. Like we, we beat Duke and we must caveat it that it was out without Zion. We all know that, but it was also without J Rob, but I'd still say that was our best victory and one that we probably shouldn't have won. Maybe. I don't know how, how you, how you'd say that, but Mississippi state didn't beat anyone. They weren't supposed to be. So I think that our uh, our ceiling's a little higher than theirs. Yeah. I, I, obviously, we are the four; they're the five. Like that's what the committee thought too. Um, it would be a very tough game. Uh, I think Lenardi put it like it, that's a coin flip game: Tech versus Mississippi State. So we'll we'll see if we can get there. Uh, they block a lot of shots due to their size, but again, they're not deep either. They only play seven guys. St. Louis only plays seven guys, and now with uh, Robinson coming back, we could go to eight. You know, if we we wanted to, so we're, we're the de- the depth uh, comparisons and concerns aren't a big deal against these two teams. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I just don't know that, and I would have to go back through and look through the games and look through you know LSU and all of that, and I don't know that when if J Rob has his feet underneath him, if he can get like clean, I don't think anybody's seen the speed that he can, he can get to the basket. And like, he's still, I don't know that I've seen, you know, he's probably top five in the country and his ability to either come down the court and then manufacture a nice pass, a nice dish to have open eyes, to see the court like fully. And then when it's not there, just, just go like he just he just he's like yep yep i'm just gonna take this one in um and he can weave through guys like you're right and we haven't seen it in so long it feels like that you kind of forget um but i mean in his last fully healthy game he dropped 35 points that's the kind of that's the kind of ceiling that he has you know he can he can fill it up and to be perfectly honest he kind of had disappointing showings in the last two tournaments. Yeah. I, I would say, I think in the Alabama game, particularly like most of us left that game thinking that he could have done more. He had some bad turnovers. There was that charge call on the end, which wasn't really a great call, but just, it, it I wanted more from him yeah. and I wanted more from Blackshear. And both of those guys have a chance uh, in this tournament to, for a little bit of redemption after the last two seasons because going out in the first round, it, I'm sure it left a bad taste in their mouth. And as long as Blackshear can stay out of foul trouble and J, we get, I don't know, 80% J-Rob, this yeah, team that's all you need. could be spectacular. Yeah. Um, and, that, yeah, I'll save it for my, my final thoughts, but I think uh, I think that uh, I think we'll get both of those things. All right, I have a couple football notes uh, before we – before we sign off, spring practice starts this week, which is exciting. I saw a clip of the guys running today. I don't know if that was just some drills or I, I don't know if that was spring practice, what that was. I think but. it's the first day of uh, practice kicked off today. So I think that was probably okay. drills. And then uh, Hendon Hooker removed his name from the transfer portal probably right after we recorded last time. It's been a little while. <laughs> That's right. But that was... That was big news for our depth. I mean, that's something that we were complaining about. I was complaining about in particular, and I was worried about what the depth situation was going to be at QB. And we get Hennon Hooker to come back, which was great. And then we get the news that Braxton Burmeister is going to transfer to Virginia Tech from Oregon. This is a kid that was a four-star coming out of high school. He's a dual-threat guy. Seems like he'd be a fit for Fuente's system. 
And so now all of a sudden, I don't know if he'll be eligible to play next year, if, if he'll have to sit out a year, but now you, you've got some nice depth. You got Willis, you got Patterson, you got Hooker, you got Burmeister, and you got Knox Kadem, who, you know, will be probably a red shirt. But it's a lot different than when it was like Willis and Patterson and we were waiting to get a quarterback recruit at the end of January. <laughs> yeah, things have gotten uh, pretty the, – the, the QB room is going to be stacked. Let's just put it that way. Um, but, you know, you, you and I talked about it. The transfer portal is a new beast. It, you yeah. know, it, it, and I think Fuente – somebody asked Fuente about it, I want to say like two or three weeks ago, and said, what are you going to do about kids that are coming back off the transfer portal? And I'm pretty sure his quote was something along the lines of like, we're just figuring this out. Like, we're just trying to figure out like what the situation is. And, um, you know, we want to understand what, why they made the decision and, you know, what, what's going on in their minds. So, um, and you and I had talked about that on our last podcast, which is how much of a new beast this transfer portal is. And I guess I'm, I'm, I'm just like coming to fully realize you know, all the way through that it's, it's a whole new ball game for, for these coaches and these players and these teams, because you can kind of be a free agent. And does that mean you don't care about your team? Probably not. It just means that like, you're just looking for a good spot for you. Yeah. The last note I had was Justin Hamilton was promoted to our safeties coach. That was another thing that happened probably soon after we recorded. He replaces Tyrone Nix, who is moving on. That was what I thought was a nice little hire there. It was a promotion, really, because he was already on the staff. But from everyone that went to that Hokie recruit night, Justin Hamilton was the one that presented. They said he was really engaging, seemed like he really knew his stuff, uh, will be a boost on the recruiting trail. And it, yes, he is unproven. He ha- he's, he's been at a few places, like I think he was at UVA Wise and uh, a couple other smaller jobs before he came to Virginia Tech, but I, I think it's going to be a strong hire for us, particularly because he is a Hokie. You know, he played football at Virginia Tech right around the time that me and you were in school. Yep. So he's, he's a little bit longer in the tooth than probably some of our listeners and some of the the, the younger uh, fans out there. But he understands what Tech was when they were really rolling, when it was rolling in recruiting, when it was rolling in results on the field. And I think that's important. And he fully knows what tech is about. People want to say also that he knows Foster's scheme. And that is, I think, a little overblown because Foster's scheme has transitioned a lot since he played football for tech. But he's now been here for a little while. And I think having him instead of Tyron Nix, a full outsider who was just a quick, that was like a desperation quick move when the Galen Scott thing happened. So this this feels right. Uh, and I'm, I'm pleased with that with the promotion. Yeah, I'm I'm relatively impartial. I I I'm 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 excited about it, but I don't I don't I want to see what happens. Given that position was such a disaster. Like just the DBs just it, everything was just such a mess back there. It's just going to I don't know. I I I feel like um it's that we always hung our hat on that position and Last year was a slap in the face in terms of mm-hmm. what Virginia Tech football should be able to do in the defensive backfield. So, I I hope he's awesome. I, I I but I'm I'm more reserved, I guess I should say, than I would be otherwise, given you know his pedigree 
fits perfectly given his background and everything. He understands what Virginia Tech football is all about. He understands what the, you know, the, the whole DBU situation's all about. It was just last year was so bad that, um, if nothing else, even even if he's the perfect candidate for the job, it may take a couple years for things to start writing themselves. Like it's not going to be an overnight thing. It was that it was that bad um, last yep. year. Yeah, I agree. I, I just like to think of like someone like you and I. We have a mentality when it comes to Virginia Tech and like what it means to us and how we feel about it. And I would imagine if he grew up in the same exact time frame and went to college in the same time frame that his mentality is very similar to yours and mine. Yeah. That might not be the best, but it's certainly not the worst because um, we love the school and we know what it's capable of. Yep. And I, I feel like Justin Hamilton and, and like, like I said, everything I've heard is that he feels like the right guy for the job. Nice. Final thoughts on the tournament, on the bracket. Do you have anything? Uh, um. I think just the way like it shook out, like, you know, UVA and we Duke and North Carolina all ended up one seeds. The first time ever three ACC teams have finished one, two, three. Yeah. I mean, so SEC came in number one in terms of the, oh no, sorry. <laughs> the big 10 put in eight. Us and the ACC, SEC put in seven each. Uh, I, in the East, well, having three ACC teams in there seems a little egregious. Uh, that's, I'm not really a big fan of having Louisville, you know, us um, in there at the same. And then Duke is the number one seed. But uh, overall, I thought the seeding came in relatively um, benign. I think UVA is in a really good spot. Quite frankly, they have Tennessee, which is an extremely talented team, but if they can, that's it. Like Purdue, but we, you know, we went up against Purdue. We know what that team is capable of. Other than that, yeah, people are picking ODU to beat Purdue in the first round. You know, yeah. people have very little faith in Purdue for some reason. Yeah. Uh, Villanova's in there. Wisconsin, uh, Ole Miss. I don't know. Like, There's not yeah, much like, it, for against a UVA team if they're playing the way that they should. Um, so I thought yeah. that was pretty interesting. They do have a <clears throat> what would seem like a fairly easy path, but they got to get past Gardner Webb first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that old Gardner Webb team. They, uh... that, that 16 seed will get get after you. Yeah, I, I thought that having North Carolina, Kentucky, and Kansas all in the same bracket is kind of crazy in the Midwest. Uh, obviously, Kansas is not the Kansas of old. They had, by their standards, a terrible season, and yet they were still a higher seed than us. They were four, but they were positioned higher than us. So it, that just goes to show you what a bad season that Kansas is like. But yeah, having those three like real blue bloods all in the same bracket is kind of crazy. Not one of them ended up in Virginia's bracket. Yep. Uh, that That's a little annoying. And then you look at Gonzaga and Michigan as the top two seeds in the West. Uh, they, I don't know, like that's, that's a little wide open to me too. Like Gonzaga is obviously really good. They made the championship game two years ago, but they're kind of known for not making it as far as they should yeah. usually. Well, so, especially not against St. John's. Well, that's for sure. In Michigan, <laughs> they went to the title game last year mm-hmm. and were pretty close two years ago too, I think. Yeah. Um, they, they've been obviously very, very good. So uh, I, Michigan could easily come out of the West. The three seed is uh, Texas Tech, which people also are are not as high on Texas tech and kind of could see like Florida state coming out of that area or whatever. So yeah, I mean, throwing FSU in there as a four, that could be difficult for Gonzaga. Yeah. So I, I mean, overall, I, I really did think they did a 
pretty good job with the rankings, mostly because we got the four instead of the five. Uh, so, um, of course, I'm going to be a little bit more uh, more partial to that. And then I think we, as a four, I think we got the second best kind of pick out of the four seeds, quite frankly. I would not, you know, I, I think Kansas State um, with UC Irvine in round one, I would love to have that game, quite frankly. That would be people. Awesome. You know, I, I was listening to someone. They said UC Irvine's very dangerous. I don't know anything about them, but yeah. uh, I, I, they're you know whether you don't have no idea which 13 seed's going to show up. Well, I don't want to play Vermont. I know that for certain. Yeah. So Vermont would be the worst case scenario. So Florida State, good luck because now it just well. <laughs> The best case scenario probably was Northeastern. That's who Kansas is playing, yeah. and that's a team we already smoked. Yeah. So uh, that's fair. That that might have been the best, but you know that's that's all well and good. You, at some point, you've got to beat somebody. So like, you got to win games. You know, if you, <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're playing a 13 seed, like you should win. We're nine and a half point favorites. They should win, and then we'll see what happens against uh, Mississippi State or Liberty. But yep. I am. I'm pumped. I'm pumped about the the time too. Like, it's gonna be late, but it's Friday night, so it's it, yeah, long, little time to wait. But I'm too old, man. Yeah. I'm gonna be like, I hope I don't fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you want that like happy hour slot on Friday, just so like you leave work and you're all pumped up. I'm taking watch, the like, whole second game. half of the day off at at one o'clock. I'm not kidding you. I'm coming home. I'm gonna watch my daughter because my wife's working. So I'm having people over at my house to just watch basketball. So I was like, oh, man, please let us get the Friday game. What I didn't articulate in my prayer for us getting the Friday game was the time slot because we have the 10 p.m. time slot. And yeah. like everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to have to leave your house at like six. I'm like, okay. So. <laughs> oh, Right. Like if you start drinking, like when you get off work, you're going to be like in a coma by the time the game starts. Exactly. Yeah, I'll be dead. <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm I'm pumped. I'll, I'll I'll probably go out and watch it. I, I just you know be be among the kids out in Philly and watch it somewhere. But uh, I, I am excited, man. I this it's our best shot to get to the Sweet Sixteen in our lifetime, really. So yeah, by by far. Up until this moment, uh, it is by far our best chance of uh, making it happen. And if it did happen, it would be in DC. We, we exactly, which would be cool. And I'd be very tempted to uh, break the bank for those tickets. But uh, what we will we will see. That's going to do it for the podcast. If we do happen to make the Sweet 16, I think Robbie would be on board for a Sweet 16 preview next week. Uh, we haven't done back-to-back podcasts now since the football season ended, but I think we could handle it if we had that Duke game on deck. That would be too exciting to pass up an opportunity to preview that one. If you want to hit us on Twitter, it's at 2 vt. 2DVT.com is our website. You can stream all the podcasts there and look at all the beers we've had to drink. We're also 2DVT on Instagram, and you can send us any emails uh, and questions or whatever at 2DVT at gmail.com. All right, man. Until next time, go Hokies. Go Hokies.